Hey out there, it is Steve Coach Fury Hollander and this is episode two of the Coach Fury podcast. We're gonna be talking with my friend Todd Bumgardner here. Uh, he is from BSP Nova in Sterling, Virginia and he's also one of the founders of Strength Faction. I'm gonna give him a chance to talk in a moment but if you're digging what you're hearing here uh, and wanna show me some love for the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash coachfurypodcast and you can uh, show a little financial love, whatever it takes there, a buck um, to like a million dollars. Whatever you feel like spending that day, um, please hit that up. Also, I want to throw out the website, and we're going to repeat this at the end, is I want you to check out strengthfaction.com. It's something that we're going to talk about on this podcast with Todd, and I think it's important, so I want to make sure we hear that at least three times today. Strengthfaction.com, that's the second one, and we'll repeat it at the end. So, ladies and gentlemen, strong folks, uh, fitness nerds, I want to introduce you to Todd. Todd, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself other than what I just said, because that would be repetitive. Uh, I like repetition. Well, first, Fury, uh, thank you, dude, and I'm happy you're doing this, man. I know that uh, you're jazzed on the podcast and you, you're jumping in, so I'm excited that I'm guest number two. I appreciate that because you got a lot of people you could pick from. So about me, where do we start? I mean, I have, uh, I have a 13th century sword collection, mostly uh, from Spain. Is that true? Um, no, not even close to true. <laughs> See, <laughs> but, I know people that like sword collections, maybe not 13th century clearly, would be true. Yeah, I tried to make it as specifically arbitrary as possible, so that way it was completely unbelievable. Oh, man, sorry about me. I know I was, we were, it was funny. We were doing this on the Q&A the other day. We did, like, the big intro one for Strength Faction, and everybody's talking about themselves. And, of course, I facilitate this thing where I want everybody to talk about themselves, and it comes around to me, and I'm like, uh. And uh, so I'm not always the best at this, funny enough. Most of them just a weird dude. Uh, I run the gym, like you said, with Chris and, and, and Sterling and Shrink Faction, which is repetitive, which is what you were trying to avoid, but <laughs> here we are. And, uh, you know, most of the time, I'm just kind of, when I'm not there, uh, I read a lot, I write a lot, I fish a lot, and I just get caught up in my own thoughts for hours at a time and then look around, I'm like, fuck, what just happened to me? So, <laughs> I'm well, just, we're we're going to talk about a bunch of that. Yeah, uh, I, I want to let the world know. So we're going to talk about Strength Faction. Uh, I'm going to let him go into detail sort of what that is because I think uh, Strength Faction is a group that I signed up as a member and, and now I'm a mentor. I actually help the new members on and I program one day a week. This month it's Saturdays. Usually it's been Thursdays. And I want to talk about in a moment how that helped me and then let you pick up from there. But guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening to this podcast, I've been wanting to do this podcast for like about two years. And I'd find every excuse not to do it. I don't understand how to host it. I don't understand how to get it on iTunes. What microphones do I need? And Todd wrote a blog as part of the Strength Faction Group, which isn't open to the public, literally step-by-step step how to do this. So this podcast is only happening because of Todd. With There's no like ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like this, we wouldn't be recording this right now. So this group and Todd as a friend uh, is really important to me. Now, how I found Strength Faction is this. Uh, a lot of trainers, I don't consider myself a very veteran trainer. I've been at it full time about seven years now. Um, six years, sorry. You, you don't realize we hit ruts as we've been through it. And I was in a big rut where I was teaching for a lot of great organizations, um, loving my gig at Mark Fisher Fitness, teaching for the RKC, Original Strength, and DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training. But I was like so busy that I just wasn't training myself. And I was, gonna, I was talking with Todd about doing some online coaching just one-on-one. -on -one. And then at the same time, we were going, I think this was your second round of Strength Faction. And Amanda Wheeler, who's a dear friend and former fitness manager above me, um, 
had just gone through the first round. So I signed up and I literally went into this program just for a training program and some accountability. And I, I kind of can't believe what the product offered and how much I got out of it to the fact that I now have a podcast as a member. I've been, uh, I think we just, a bunch of us just hit our year with the group. So how would you describe strength faction briefly if somebody either hasn't heard about it or is still trying to wrap their head around what we do there? Yeah. I mean, I, I can boil it down to one sentence and this sentence might kind of, kind of sound sterile. So maybe you can help me unpack it uh, and remove the sterility from it. But Basically what I say is it's a community-based experiential learning program that helps personal trainers and strength coaches develop personally and professionally. And that's the boxed answer. That's the sterile, like this is, this is what it is and this is our goal for it. Um, apart from that, it's this weird thing that kind of keeps evolving. And I think the main thing is, is honestly is the community because we got rad people from you know, all over the States. we got some people overseas and it's just turned into this really cool conversation and dialogue and interaction where people feel like they can come in and learn um, and take care of themselves and get to know people from different parts of the world and help each other solve each other's problems. And it, it starts with this, you know, our backbone and our spine of our curriculum that's broken into four modules that starts with helping people take better care of themselves and then puts together all of the pieces of the things that will help them be better at their job so that they then have more time to take better care of themselves and expand themselves in, in whichever way they'd like. So I think that that's, that might be the best I've ever said that. So that's pretty cool. Well done right here on the podcast. Uh, I think that's perfect. Uh, for, those, for those of you that sometimes feel lost as a trainer or sometimes at the end of your rope uh, in the hustle, because training is a hustle and I'm still sometimes shocked about even doing it as long as I've been. And again, I'm not like a seasoned veteran. This is still my second career uh, is how much hustle and how much still that hustle is always a roller coaster, right? Like uh, we've been talking among the group, I think this July, August, which is always a slow month for coaches was like particularly bad for a lot of us. And the hours sometimes it's like, you wonder like why we're crushing ourselves. And for the coaches that we've seen to gravitate or I should say gravitate towards strength faction, it's because we care so much about helping people. It's not, it's not just about a paycheck are owning a gym. It's about helping people. And I think strength faction has been uh, an important way to revitalize that in veteran people. So sort of like uh, Kristen Callahan it wrote that great blog about how if it wasn't for strength faction, she wouldn't be a trainer anymore because we get worn down and that might be because of our bosses. That might be because of the facility we're working in the corporation we work for. Uh, personally, I've been very lucky that that's never been a thing um, between working at five points Academy where I started as a member and then at, MFF and now on my own. I've never felt like other than just the hourly grind sometimes. Uh, but I think that's where we fit in in the community sort of like I didn't expect I don't want to sound like an asshole. I didn't expect to really make friends in this. I expected to work out and get stronger through the program get to know you and Chris and Mike better. Uh, and, you know, Kirk and I hang out like we a bunch of us hang out I train some people that aren't in the program anymore online on the side. Um, which you guys know about. I'm not scouting. Yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's brought a lot more. So if we unpack this, because like, I had a good conversation with Chris the other day, if we unpack this into two sections, okay. where do you think strength faction fits in for the education of new trainers? 
So one of the things we've get a lot of on the strength faction board, and I know it happens at MFF a lot is people go and people ask me, and I'm sure you get it a ton. It's like, I'm thinking about becoming a trainer. Where do I start? And the standard answer tends to be, um, get your NASM, get your CSES or get an ACE. And that's completely the opposite of where I came in. So I came in as a kettlebell fan enthusiast and just want to learn kettlebells. And I, I wasn't even thinking about becoming a trainer until I was like really down the rabbit hole. But in the startup trainer, somebody who's new, where do you think we fit in in that role? Yeah, I mean, well, I think I'm going to, I'll probably come around to this at a kind of a adjacent way, but I think it'll make sense. So I think the first thing is when, with a new trainer, what you need is a lot of collective experience around you and people willing to engage you in dialogue. So I think that that's, those are the, the biggest things that you could use because, you know, you need a toolkit, obviously, and, and we give a really solid, easy to follow toolkit that'll help you with your personal interaction and help you write better programs and help you figure out how to enact change in people or help people enact change in themselves is probably a better way to state that. But I think one of the biggest things that, that a lot of trainers miss because they start out and unfortunately, rather than a rather than a super nurturing environment, they jump right into competition and you know, it's just, that's the, the, the name of the, it's the beast. That's just what it is. And you got to step up and compete. And I'm not telling anybody to shy away from that. But when you're at that raw point of your, your development, you need mentorship and you need someone that's willing to answer your questions and give you good answers and then make you think about those answers and to do that in a way that, well, I mean, it comes back to the word that we use all the time, unconditional positive regard, whereas like, you know, we're there to help you and, and there's, there's no pretense, there's no sheath or shroud in front of this. And, and we're certainly not going to make you feel stupid for asking something that you don't know because we were all there at the same time too. So I think the biggest thing for us that we give newer trainers is here's, here's a really simple and solid toolkit that's you can use if you go out and take this as it is. And it's going to generate a lot of questions for you and you're going to be engaged in this dialogue in this conversation with people that actually will listen to you, answer you, and then make you think about those questions and think critically. And, and I think that that's, you know what, maybe that's the best place for us, honestly, with all of those, um, all of those pieces, it, it enacts a way for new trainers to think critically because I think one of the things when it comes into this industry is it's very easy to, um, attached to three letters, you know, all of the different acronyms that people have. And like, I am this, I am FMS, I am strong first, I am RKC. And I'm not, there's all of those. I am RKC. You are. <laughs> all those institutions have their merits. They do. Um, but it's really easy to paint yourself into a corner if you don't have the raw materials to think critically about things. And it's lacking in our industry. And then people turn into these ideologues that just support the letters that they know. And then there's this emotional response and this argument. So I think one of the things that we do is, is give people that thing that those materials to think critically and understand some things, which, you know, maybe this is overzealous, but there's a means of unification, right? Because if we all have the, the, the means to think and, and be rational and reasonable, instead of getting to that lizard brain shit where we hear something we disagree with and we want to fight about it, we get people to the, the ability to ask questions. And I think if we can engage in dialogue that way, it's a real, it's a real easy way to unify rather than separate. 
I, I completely agree with that. And I think that was very surprising to me. So when I started, I started at a gym called Five Points Academy, which is like an extremely uh, well-respected, great spot, largely known for its uh, Muay Thai um, fighting team and just skills. That's where I started as a member. I just wanted to get into Muay Thai and I found kettlebells there. Mm -hmm. And they were the only ones at the time hosting uh, HKC kettlebell certs and other programs through Dragon Door. And now they do that for Strong First. And I evolved into a trainer there and I just would, you know, basically the center of my training were the things that people introduced me. I was very grateful to have, uh, especially two great mentors there, Steve Millis, the owner who basically gave me my first shot and actually told me to stick with coach Fury when I was going to become a professional. I was like, I was already using coach Fury. I was like, you think I should stick with it? He was like, yeah. And then, uh, Gavin Van Flack, who's going to be on the podcast later down the line, introduced me to the ultimate sandbags. So I would just take certs based on things that interest me. But since we were like a largely a kettlebell house, we definitely, you know, really honored those, the initials we had and rightfully so. But I remember when I was thinking about leaving initially and reached out to Mark Fisher fitness, one of the things I was looking for was I didn't grow up from like a T nation background, a Boyle Cressy background. And I wanted to be exposed to cats from that because this was my second career. I was in visual effects. So I didn't even really know much. I didn't know you from T nation. Uh, I met Todd when he did a in-service at MFF. So I wanted to open my eyes up and it took me like a long path to do that. Whereas strength factions, like right out the gate, we have a ton of people that are RKC certified, strong first certified, FMS, FRC, like there's this great melting pot. And not only together do we discuss what we think's working or what might be overhyped, um, we're pretty open to like hearing criticism on what's not good about something, which is important, right? Cause we can't just blow smoke. Like that's a great job. Um, we have to actually be like, is that, uh, applicable? And I don't mean on shit talking anything. I just think having like an, an honest analysis. Like I remember one of the things I really love about you, Todd is like, you're, you're not afraid to take a potential hit by being honest on something. And in fitness, things are very like get very popular for like a two month window. And then they still get used, but you just don't hear them. And then something else comes up. Right. So, um, you know, cars and the FRC were super hot. I haven't taken it yet. I've learned what I have from you guys, but you wrote a great blog about, you know, potential limitations of certain aspects of it. Right. You weren't like shit talking the program at all. And people have a lot of that fire about, but like, these are three important initials, especially happening at that moment when this article came out. And where do you think we're missing that step of feeling comfortable about talking about a system, honestly, not in like a rotten tomatoes kind of way, but like in a way of like, look, this is what I found useful. And this is what I haven't. Cause I think it's the only way we can grow because we can't just adapt, adopt every system every time we take something new. You have to find what works and you have to distill it into what doesn't. And at least for you, right? And that, that might be somebody else has a different perspective. But why do you think that's so hard for us to make those choices in the, in the fitness industry? Uh, I think, uh, well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think let's, we can unpack this in several ways. So the first and and if I miss any of these in the explanation, come back and bring me back to them. The first is people want to be on a team. I think people really like that. Um, the second is uh, having the raw materials to think with. So having the baseline education to be able to say, this is where this can be useful and this is kind of horseshit. Um, and then the third thing is having critical evaluation skills. So, I mean, first thing is, is people, I mean, the reality is, is we're tribal and that's just human beings are. And, and I think it's, that's gotten to be 
people think about it derogatorily now. And in some ways it totally goes that direction. But the reality is, is we are. So um, it's real easy to get on that team and then make everybody else a they rather than a us and pick fights. Um, so I, I think that that's a big part of it, the emotional attachment to that. Um, the second thing is, is, is we're badly educated. Um, I think especially even in, even in the, for people that go for a four year degree in kinesiology or exercise science, I have a fucking master's degree in exercise science and it totally did not prepare me for this career. Um, so I think we're badly educated to think with, with, with the raw materials and understand like, Hey, this is how cells actually work. Or, Hey, this is how the, what we understand of the nervous system actually works because there's so many things out there that say the nervous system does this. And then if you go and talk to the best neurologists in the world, they'll say, we know very little, you know what I mean? So, um, I think that having that baseline education is, is one of the things that, that we miss out on. So, you know, if you don't have that, and I, I love what, what Bill Hartman says, is if you don't have, I'm going to butcher this, this is totally paraphrased. If you don't have a counter argument or the raw materials to, to think and critically evaluate something, you have to accept it as true. So then we have all these different letters. I can be on this team. I don't have the ability to think through this and say that this isn't true. So I have to accept it. And then going along the badly educated part of things, you know, our education system, and we don't have to go deep into this, but I think it touches, but um, our education system doesn't train people to think critically and it doesn't train people to evaluate and, and uh, engage in dialogue and discussion and, and look at something from multiple points so you can think through it. So unless people are doing that for themselves or have figured out a system to do that for themselves or are open to being around people that will give them objectivity. And that's the raw materials of working on your own personality. You're going to add, these things are going to end up happening and then it's going to be the emotional flare ups and it's going to be the fights and it's going to be the horseshit that we, that we deal with. I think you unpack that very well. I, I, you know, it's interesting seeing the cycle of trends and hot things that come in and, and guys, I don't want anybody to think I'm shit talking a system. I think there's value in almost every system that I've, I've had a part of or exposure to it's, it's all how we apply. And I think as someone who teaches courses, you run into people that a have taken all of my courses, like they will have gone through like OS or DVRT and RKC, but also like I could see on their Facebook that they've gone to something almost every week in the last two months or three months. And I'm like, how do you apply that? Right? Like how, how much practical application in your own training on yourself and in your own training with your clients, can you really say like, this is proven of worth to me? And I think sometimes the way we prove that is by honoring the initials first. Yeah. Right? Like I could say that I have this, people are talking about this right now. I'm using this right now. It's a thing. I have it, but are we really using it other than adding like one thing in the warm up? And it's one thing in the warm up enough, but if that's what you're doing, how much are we touting a system? And that goes for everything, you know, any system. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like taking that moment. I remember like, I think it was like three years ago, a good friend of mine, we were talking in December, we'd done a course together. It was like, well, what courses are you taking next year? What, what certs are you looking for? And I was like, actually, I think I'm just going to try to assist a bunch of the same things so that I could just really hear other teachers and dial in my own skills on these few things. Cause I'm not incredibly bright. I've just really harped in on the things that seem to work for me and that I've seen in the people that I train most importantly. Uh, and I try to always be the Guinea pig first. And then in, you know, the year in strength faction, so much of that, I think if you step back aligns that these divides we try to put up between groups and systems are so thin, you know, they're, they're, we, we want to make them like there's this big thing that makes us more special, 
And the only thing that really makes us more special is that we give enough of a shit to get better at it as opposed to just accepting stuff. Um, so I think that, that it's an easy way to like, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's like tribal mindset. I also think in the age of internet marketing and social media marketing, like everybody wants to like, people are talking about, you know, this, we got to go do this now. Yeah. I do this now. I now have this. This is the thing that you're seeing all my friends post about. And it's like, I think trainers often get lost that we're promoting things amongst ourselves to other trainers where our clients don't really give a shit except for what we do on the program and in the room and in the hour. Yeah. Um, and I think that's often lost, yeah. um, which is probably a later podcast discussion. <laughs> that's a whole, into that too, that's a whole other thing to podcast. I think we, I think, uh, Maybe we'll do that on another one. I do want to say this that I found shocking, shockingly good in Strength Faction. And I don't want to just sound like I'm selling Strength Faction again. I'm taking this as somebody who went through it with one uh, intention and one sort of goal for it. And I've just been sort of blown away by how much came out of it is the fact that a lot of people don't get to travel to a lot of workshops and meet a lot of people. And the first few courses I went to, I hung with people from my gym and I didn't really socialize much. And then when you finally have that course where you're forced to meet strangers and you really make like lifelong friends at a course at a cert, uh, you realize how much value is in that. But I think a lot of people get stuck in services and just working with the trainers at the facilities they're at. I know, you know, at MFF, we have so many great in services, yourself included, um, that sometimes we can think about like, why do we need to even go to something else? Cause it's all being provided here. And for me, it's like the, the meeting people experience, uh, is so huge. So I think for the newer trainers, especially if you're a big box gym, it's a great way to sort of break out of your click. Cause I get this, you know, at the courses I teach, if some, if there's a group of people from an Equinox or a crunch, they tend to click up amongst themselves, which is great. You know, they're friends, but I think it's important to sort of try to break out of that. Like I think everybody should go to a course alone every now and then and be forced in that social situation. And, and if my awkward ass can do it, anybody can do it. Um, and I think strength faction, we provide that. Like, again, like I, Kirk Adams works about three blocks from where I train in the city. And I would have never met that guy through you. And he's a gem. He's like an amazing coach. And he's a buddy of mine. Uh, Steph Allen, Kristen Callahan, Wes, right? Like all these people that are now Lori Lindsay, uh, hell, Chris, I didn't know Merritt. I knew Connolly was really the only, and wheels were the only two people I knew going into that first round. Um, getting to meet the people from abroad and see common interests, common struggles, common successes, and how to help us fill each other's blanks. And that's outside of the strength faction curriculum, what you guys provide, yeah. I think has been pretty amazing. And I think that's something that I used to tell people as, as, as when they would ask that starting out question, because I never needed a national cert that became something MFF needed for legal reasons. Sure. Um, was like, yeah, take a kettlebell cert. If you're a kettlebell gym, I think that's important right? Like look at what your base of your gym is. So if it's an HKC or an RKC or a strong first, uh, I don't want to make this about competition. Uh, I, in full disclosure, I teach for the RKC. Um, I think if your gym is kettlebells and you love kettlebells, you probably want to get really good at kettlebells. But beyond that stuff, like, I think it's just important to learn. And I used to be like, take this, take FMS, take the, you know, and they're all likely steps, but I, I've just seen more and more. And this is what I was talking with Chris Merritt about. Is strength faction just fills in this gap that it's like its own mobile internship. And if you can't spend the time at a Cressy or be one of the trainers in residence at MFF or at BSP Nova, I think it's just such a valuable experience on the, the younger set to be able to do that stuff. Um, let's flip this now because here's the thing, like for myself and, and Kirk and Kristen, where do you think we fit for, more experienced trainers. Cause that's the other thing. We've got a lot of like very experienced people, um, 
well more versed uh, with deeper knowledge pools than myself um, that keep coming back to the faction as well. Where do, where do you think our role in strength faction fits for them? Yeah, so I think, I think the biggest value is, is that first the, the, the people that we have come in with already having the mindset that the work is never done. Um, and I think for them, uh, people like you and, and like Matt Dolan out in uh, Dakota and, and, and people like that that have been around for a long time, been doing their own thing. First of all, they understand the value in that. Second of all, I think the thing is you have the context to understand how to apply the nuance of what's going on. So for the, for the younger trainers, it's like, here's this toolkit that you, that you can use right now. And then when you guys come back, the, the vets, you see the nuance in things and how to apply things differently or how to think about things in a slightly different context or apply things across contexts. So for, for them, I think that's the value in that. And it's like you just talked about, uh, you know, meeting new people and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's getting out of your own echo chamber. And, and, and it's also taking care of yourself because by the time, you know, you have your own gym or you're a busy trainer or you're, you're running your own businesses and stuff. It's, you get to that point where you are, you're the, you, you rationalize everything so that you take care of your business or the other people around you and not yourself. And you get locked into that cycle rather than having the ability to, I mean, I guess just take care of yourself. I think that might be the biggest value is, is the community for, for, for the vets. And then also the ability to have someone to take care of you. And, and, and I mean that in the most literal way possible without sounding too soft about that because we all need that. It's, it's something that we need, but the reality is, and I, I don't know if you saw, I posted this thing on Facebook the other day or I posted it last night. I'll read it. Do you mind if I read it? I have, Go it, for my, it. I have my notebook right now. And I think this kind of sums up what we do. Uh, just a second. I've got to find it. It's right here. All right. So the ultimate demonstration of love is helping people to become strong. How does anything become strong? Through trials and stress, by feeling competent and volitionally taking act on a task on life. So if we are to demonstrate love, we are to encourage, embolden, and provide opportunities for people to test their psyches, spirits, and physical frames so that they grow resilient. Um, and I think that that's really it. I think that's the value in what we do is, is we touch on all those things and we give people the means to take care of themselves and feel that they are taken care of within this framework that helps make them more resilient. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think strength action for me and, and Mark Fisher, who was the first guest on the podcast, it's weird speaking about that past tense because it hasn't happened yet, but uh, thinking towards the long game, because we get so caught in that week to week hustle of it. And I think you were talking with uh, Pete Dupuy about, you know, month to month versus, you know, yearly check-ins and, and just, you know, for a lot of us, myself, I'm six months independent now. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's like the day to day week to week struggle of it all. Whereas I think coming into strength faction as a veteran, you start to realize like they're, they're not necessarily an end game, but there is a long game that we could probably all be playing a little better so that we have a better lives as opposed to just like the constant driving ourselves into the ground. Cause I don't think the outside world of our, our clients and our members really fully get a lot of the time how hard we work when you're like, when you're reading and you're trying to get yourself better, not just the training. Like a lot of people think we just have the time to work out 
I think it's like the education process and the marketing process and all that other stuff. It gets lost sometimes. Uh, I know for myself as a former executive producer in visual effects where I helped run several companies, I never had a boss give me a leadership book or recommend a communications book. And the fact that among strength faction and MFF where we actually, have, you know, I know you guys do book book assignments and stuff and we had book reports. The time we're spending just to have a better hour with somebody right? To help change their lives is, it blows my mind. Like as a, as a, if I remove myself from being in the profession, it's, it's heroic that a lot of what we're doing, it's one of the things that I really love about what we do. And I think why we hustle is, is so valid. Um, let's switch gears right now. Strengthfaction.com. That's the third time. Go visit that. We just started our fall. They're four month phases. We just started our fall 2017 phase. Literally today's the first day of the program. Uh, if you keep an eye out in about another four months, um, folks, and, and check that out. Um, but I do want to do, so Todd just some, uh, read something that he wrote. And one of the things that impressed me is, is Todd doesn't just write blogs and content. Like he's actually looking to write not just fitness books, but also fiction. And, I, and also one of the things I've known since I've met you is playing guitar and uh, a love of Dave Grohl. And just where do you find creative writing and the music as an outlet and how do they fuel your, your content generation for the fitness world? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is like, I, I've, I mean, I started playing guitar before I even started lifting weights or anything. I started playing guitar when I was 11 because I was obsessed with Metallica and even to like the deeper part of the obsession obsession was with the album man justice for all. So oh yeah. I, uh, the first thing I ever learned how to play on the guitar was the intro to one. And I can just remember struggling through that for like three weeks as like an 11 year old and just figuring it out by myself. And then I, uh, there was a guitar shop in my town. I'm from, I'm from a County of 45,000 people in central Pennsylvania. We actually have more cows than we do people. So <laughs> it's for real. That it's actually right? answers a lot about you. There you go. Yeah. That will, that'd be funny. Quick aside. <laughs> so, so, uh, we did our strength action offsite, Mike, Chris and I, where I'm from, you know, that this past, uh, summer, and we were driving back from somewhere and I said to Mike, cause Mike knows me pretty well. He's gotten to know me pretty well over the past few years. And, um, I asked, would you, if you've never, if you didn't know it, would you believe I was from here? And he goes, Oh yeah. I was like, why? He's like, because of the way you dress. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But, um, but no, so uh, we have this guitar shop and they had the like tablature books for all these different albums in there. I have the Injustice for All one. You have the tablature book? For, well, for bass, yeah. I wish I still had it. I don't know what happened to it. It's probably locked away somewhere in my mom's shed or something. But I would go, I would sit in my room, and I would listen to the album, and I would play through that tablature book from start to beginning until I could play the whole album from start to beginning, except for some of the solos. And Dyer's Eve, which I could never quite get because it is fucking so hard. But – uh so that's always been a major creative outlet for me because I've always been in this kind of weird amalgamation of a person because I was a pretty good athlete. I was a really good football player and I ended up going to college and playing football and I've always excelled there, but I never really bought into like the football culture. That was never really who I was. I always had this weird obsession with, with learning and uh, and, and thinking and, and being by myself and, and thinking philosophically. So 
the guitar stuff has always been that piece where it's like, it's just been there. And it's, this is my way to step away from things. And, and I've noticed that there are two things that I go through kind of dark periods if I'm not doing it, if I don't have a challenge and if I'm not doing something creative like that. So if I don't have those two things kind of feeding me, um, I, I burn myself out and I get to a really weird place. Um, so guitar has always been there for me. And then the creative stuff is, you know, there are things that I'm, I'm always trying to, I don't think, have you been, you've been through my art aggregation uh, presentation. Yeah, we did it at, at Billy's place. Yep. So that's, that wasn't that good yet. It's much better now. <laughs> um, but that is just, that's really a look into how my brain works. And I'm always trying to put the story together. I'm always trying to put the pieces together and my brain is always there. So a lot of times the creative stuff for me is just all the pieces of, of what's going on in my head from a story standpoint turns into this weird kind of mythology that I have to write out. And um, whether it exists in notebooks all over you know, my house and, my, and in my office and everything. And then I, I've, over several times, I've stopped and started putting that into some kind of form where I take these ideas and I get them embodied by a character or several characters that I'm trying to spell out what, I, what I'm thinking and, and, and try to tell a story with it. So, you know, it's just always something that it fuels, it, it helps me make sense out of my brain and it also fuels my ability to shut it off. Yeah, I can, I completely, that makes total sense. I think a lot of us has those things, have those things we go back to. For me, it's the skateboard. And I'll go long breaks where I'm not skating and then I get back on. And I'm like, man, I'm horrible at this. But once I start to build some competency back up, I'm up it just feels like I tap back into like a part of my soul. Cause it was like, uh, again, it's not a far stretch. Right. So Metallica master of puppets tour, 1986, my first show ever, they opened for Ozzy, That's awesome. um, Cliff Burton, man. And he died like, I think four months later, he was nasty. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I think there's this weird thing now. So I'm turning 45 in about a month and a half. And, in so many ways, I'm still that high schooler. And if I keep going into those things, the music and the skateboarding, it just taps back in where I just feel like the fire still, where when I think looking back at that age to what the version of mid forties would be, it was completely different, right? Like even when I had like, you know, uh, owned the home and, you know, I've got two kids. It's, it's, I think it's so important to maintain those things but also know to grow out of your bad habits. I think for a long time, and I wrote a blog about this recently, I, I accepted my bad personal traits as just, this is who I am. And we all have to deal with that, right? Like if it's a struggle for me and if it's a conflict with you, we have to deal with that. And I think touchstoning the skateboarding for me and the music for me in particular and movies, clearly, you know, as the wall of Godzilla toys, you can't see this, but my Godzilla shrines behind me. Um, help me remember who I was and who I wanted to be. And that helps fuel the work for me to get better and to help people um, as opposed to sometimes we just get stuck being that one version of ourselves. And I think that's something that getting to know you over the last year and your writing in particular and on the Q and A's is like really comes through is, you know, you'll define yourself as an asshole. And I don't think most people in the crew, except for maybe Connolly, would actually say that. But I think there's like an awareness that you have of who you are, but also how you're trying to improve. And I think that makes it all very real for us to want to get better because we can see, and I know, look, man, working with Mark Fisher, you know, clearly that's like uh, one of that guy's gifts. 
And I think that's an important trait that not a lot of people have to like not only work on themselves, but that it inspires others. So, uh, kudos to you, man. Um, it's always rad. Like when I see you pick, when I see even like before I hear it and I see a thumbnail on social media that you posted yourself playing a guitar or something, like it makes me happy. Cause like, I know you're in the zone of something. Right. Uh, so I think that's a rad touchstone. Thanks brother. I appreciate that. I mean, I think you said a lot of good stuff there too, especially about, you know, accepting the, those parts yourself. And I mean, that's Carl Jung. Like that's one of the things that scares me about all of this means towards like when I see somebody post positive vibes or good vibes only or shit, like, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, man, you missed the point. Like that's, and it's, we're skewed towards that. We're skewed towards this ultra positive all the time. And it's like, the reality is like, you're not a good person until you walk through your shit and you accept that you're kind of dark and there's, and there's something in there. So that's why I, I affectionately call myself an asshole because I know that underneath all of this, like I'm, I joke all the time that I have more testosterone than I know what to do with. And I've had, to, you know what I mean? Like I've had to rope myself in a lot of ways in my life and, and I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And I, I think it's important for people to realize that is like, you're, you are part of that darkness and you have to take a, a hold of it and, and shape it into something or it's going to, it'll come out somehow. So I think it's important that you said that. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's, it's, there's so many false fronts that we try to put up in, in social media, especially as trainers. Cause you know, we, we just want to, I don't say, I shouldn't make broad generalizations, but a lot of the times it's like, look how strong I am or look how lean I am or look how smart I am. You get and, that, right. Like you're a human being, you want to be accepted. Like, yeah. But for me, you know, again, coming up, I guess from my, it's my punk rock upbringing is, you know, I, I'm more interested in you if you know you're flawed, flawed, sorry, oh, totally flawed. And I do, I do come from that perspective of we're all sort of broken. Right. And we all are trying to fix ourselves no matter where that's coming from and, and nobody's baggage. I mean, we might hear a story that is so devastating and somebody else's seems kind of petty, but to them, that is what that story is. That's affected their life, their personality, their culture, every decision and habit they have. And I think to just embrace that that's the end game, that this is who we are as opposed to actually striving to be better. And it is, it's so polarizing right now because, you know, clearly I don't want to get political at all on this right now, but you know, social media has become this really left or right battlefield. And I think we're trying to find as trainers to stay positive, to ride that middle ground of just like, it's all happy. And I think there's been some really cool posts. Erica Hurst, faction member, like wrote a really great one about some of the things that she's been dealing with. Um, I think people like relate to us more. So like, if you said like, I'm just Todd Bumgarner, super coach. And, uh, I was this type of athlete and things were fucking great. I probably wouldn't connect with you. Cause I can't relate to that. Cause I've never been an athlete. I've never like, I've always been like the awkward kid. I've always had friends. Don't get me wrong, but I've always struggled to fit in. And I'm also a believer, at least back in the day, like anybody with tattoos, especially as much as I have now, there's like a reason why you were doing it. It wasn't to look cool. It was like, there's some sort of self-loathing that goes with the pain acceptance of that. Uh, <laughs> at least I could say that for myself. Like you, you just, it's like, yeah, I'm going to millions of needles all over my body. Uh, it's a little different now because it's become such a thing, but back in like 90, it wasn't. Um, and I think that's one of those things where like, you know, I mentioned Kristen Callahan's blog. I think we all start to realize that we're not alone when we can be verbal about it. But if we put up this like, you know, Instagram, I think, you know, Instagram's got this great thing of like, you know, you have these fitness professionals that are fitness models that are just like Photoshopped 
ass and ab models at this point um, that really are showing no merit. Like you actually see their workouts and you're like, that's just straight up not doing what it's doing. Chris wrote about that recently Um, coming from a visual effects background where we would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, beauty retouching skin, hair, eyelashes, uh, waistlines, how much out there's false that I think it's really a missed opportunity as coaches that people generally look up to genuinely look up to that. We don't show them that like life's not all great, but we're all like in this to get better. I think that's an important thing. Well, I think that's anything that, you know, uh, my personal take on all of this being able to get attention is that if you are someone that garners attention, you have a responsibility to do that with a certain level of depth. And um, I think when you stand in that and, and you like, that's uh, something that Jordan Peterson sums up pretty well. It's like, you know, that's the, that's the ideal that we all want to live by. It's like accepting that there's a certain amount of, um, how do I want to say this? Accepting that life is flawed, life is hard and, voluntarily accepting that and going forward anyway, like that's what we're supposed to do. So if you're in the public eye, like you have that responsibility and and to do it in a way that's kind of honorable. So I think that that's just kind of what we're supposed to do. And and honestly with, with strength faction, like I know that it's for fitness professionals and it's, and it's this, but it's like a microcosm of how I think that the world should work, that there is a defined border you get vetted to come in and, but the border's a little open and we all have a conversation about it. And once you're here, be prepared to be challenged and you're going to have to be vigilant all the time and continually develop yourself. But know that that conversation is about going to a certain place and it's not to degrade or defile or anything like that. It's about, Hey, let's think about this and what's the best way to move forward and do this. And I, and that's just the kind of, from an ideological standpoint, that's a bad word. That's not what I want to use. Um, just from a perspective of thought and, and, and what seems to be a really good way to do things. That's just kind of what I've tried to bring out in that. I think the important word you said there is conversation. We're starting to more and more through social media and just politically, like there's less and less means of conversation. People want to like talk with people that think exactly the same way, no matter what, you know, what team you're repping, it's become like actually having like, a disagreement in a conversational manner without it becoming a fight or, or, or a shutout. Like a, we have to sort of find a way to tap back into that, you know, in fitness and in anywhere, I think that's a lost art because it's really easy to like blast somebody on social media. Um, even though your name's there, it's still fairly anonymous. Nobody's going to like call you out on something upfront in person most of the time. Uh, and I think it's important that people just actually having conversations. And uh, I think strength faction has been a good starter that, uh, you know, there was that one, questionnaire uh, Brittany had posted that sparked some conversation and I just thought that was like where the hell does that kind of positive outcome happen right agree with her or not when she posted this conversation I won't get into the details here folks but it was like a questionnaire about uh, thoughts on yoga and it had a political question at the end that she was using for a purpose and some people were caught off guard by it and it wasn't really a negative thing. It just caught people off guard and it just sparked a really good conversation about that question. And I think those things are important that we can all leave. It's like, well, we're all still faction family as opposed to I'm going to unfriend you now. Uh, And I think that's gone 
I think we could do better by that. And I know politically leaning, I've had some, you know, we all love the Facebook posts that go out and sometimes people hate what I write and some people love what I write, but I've, I've gone and messaged friends that have written against it or that I know don't believe in it and actually had conversations in the back end. So whether that's left or right, or that's like this modality in fitness versus another, or I don't get enough of like, which kettlebell group should I take the cert with? That happens yeah. still a lot. Um, it's just having those conversations. I think too, that, that for us, our, the sole purpose of our industry is so that people can, they use us as a conduit to improve themselves. So for us, it's even, I use the word heroic and I would agree because if you're, if you're really living this and doing this the way that you think that you should and, and living by your highest ideal and trying to go towards that, um, it is heroic. So we have an even greater responsibility to demonstrate that and be open to a conversation because we have a certain level of esteem that we're held to because our job is to help other people develop. It's not like we're fucking plumbers. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like we do some other job. Our job is to have some kind of beacon attached to us that says, Hey, come on, let's go this way. You know? And then it's your choice whether or not to follow. And it's your choice what to do with information. But come on, we're going this way. What do you, you know what I mean? So uh, I think we just have an even greater responsibility to develop ourselves as people, move in a positive direction, um, and be open to conversation. I think that that's what we're supposed to do. That's awesome. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap this up. We've been talking cool. almost an hour. Uh, folks, for the fourth time, check out strengthfaction.com. Uh, get ready for the winter 2017. Or it's going to be 2018. 2018. It'll be spring 2018 is what we'll call it. So, oh, really? So we're skipping winter. Winter is skipped. It is not coming like Game of Thrones. We're going straight to spring, folks. Um, check out strengthfaction.com. Check out BSP Nova. There's a lot of good information coming out, even if you're not a member of the group through the blog. Uh, a lot of content's being delivered by the gang. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, friend up, Todd, on the social medias. Where can they find you? Uh, the Faces books. And I got the Instagram. And then Strength Faction has Instagram and Facebook as well. So that's, those are the best channels. Email is Todd at beyondstrengthperformance.com if you're interested in that. Awesome. And what other services do you provide outside of Strength Faction and BSP Nova? Are you still doing the online coaching and Skype no, consults? I, oh. There's too much stuff going on. So I, I do I do Strength Faction. I got the gym and then I will travel to do the, the private uh, workshops for Equinox. That's all I'm doing right now. Awesome. Everyone else, you have missed out on that boat. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please, if you dig what you're listening, come back next week. Um, Danny Almeida from Original Strength is going to be the third guest. Uh, Danny's awesome, and she is the one that really helps me set up those courses. And if you like what you're hearing, please continue to listen, subscribe, rate, and review it. Check out patreon.com, Coach Fury podcast, coachfury.com. Friend me up on the book of faces and the IG. I don't really understand Twitter, so I don't, don't worry about Twitter. I, I'm there, but you're not going to hear anything from me there. Um, Please comment. If you have questions, coachfury at gmail.com. And I'm going to end this. And, and Todd, I'd like you to say this. I just want you to tell everybody to die mighty at the end of this. That's how we're going to sign this thing off. Just tell Absolutely. the folks to die mighty. Die mighty, baby. All right. Thanks, Todd. Bye, everyone.
The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner. That's me for Fury Industries, LLC. Music by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for merchandise, tour info, and the record. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That is G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A or at Glenn Urieta on Instagram and Twitter.